0: In today's episode, you'll find out why I'm doing a really bad American accent. Plus, we talked to a real tradie about how hiring starving artists transformed his business. Welcome to the Tradies Business Show, helping you get off the tools and into true business ownership, so you can spend more time doing the things that matter most. Now, here are your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Howdy, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Trades Business Show. My name is Warwick from the Tradies Business Toolkit, and uh, you're flying without Michaela just uh, for this part of the episode. She's taking a, a bit of a break and a well-deserved holiday, so she's uh, maybe wrongly entrusted me with the uh, top and tailing of this episode And, uh, yes, you may have noticed that I'm doing a really bad American accent. So uh, I'd like to firstly openly apologize to uh, our guest on the interview that we recorded for today's episode, which is Nick May from Walls by Design. And uh, I'd also like to apologize to the entire North American population, (laughs) some of which who uh, do actually listen to the show and may tune out from here on in. So uh, Michaela challenged me a little while ago. Uh, for this episode, because Nick May is based in Denver, Colorado, and, uh, Michaela basically bet me that I couldn't do the, uh, the opening of the show in an American accent. So here goes, Michaela, and, uh, bad luck to you for uh for trusting me with this one so anyway as i said nick may on today's episode great interview uh nick has a great business in denver called walls by design and um i'll let him tell the story of his business and why it's so unique uh but nick also has a podcast which he started uh which um well he's got two podcasts actually so um interesting way for him to market his business and uh, and also his a uh, bit of a passion project and uh, he talks a bit about uh, about how that came about as well. So I'll stop uh, making your ears bleed with my bad accent and uh, there you go. I got all the way through Michaela so uh, hopefully you'll still talk to me when you get back from your holiday. Anyway, uh, let's get stuck into the interview. <laughs>
1: And thanks for joining us today, Nick. It's really great having another podcaster on the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far.
2: Well, thanks, Michaela, for having me. Uh, if, you, if you couldn't tell, I'm not from Australia. Um, I'm from Denver, Colorado. And uh, so that's literally on the other side of the world. Uh, but I own a painting company called Walls by Design, and we specialize in interior painting, Um And I've been in business for about almost 16 years. Um, And the other interesting thing about me is I also do a podcast um, for small businesses. Cool.
1: Great. And tell us about that uh, podcast and how has that uh, helped you market your business? Or is it more just something that's of interest to you and you have a passion about helping small business owners?
2: Yeah, I think for the most part, um, the, the podcast is called Small Business Naked. And it, uh, we started actually about four years ago as a radio on a radio station here in Denver, and just really enjoyed it and loved interviewing small business owners and uh, finding out how they've been successful. Uh, and it was really, I started it because I was I actually started doing some small business consulting, and that was uh, something I did to advertise uh this the small business con- consulting and um then we tried to get some advertisers and I could never quite make a make a go at it and so then we stopped about 10 months in um, and about 2 years later I realized that because of one of the guests uh who was also a tradee, he was a paint contractor as well that I had had on the show as a guest we built a relationship and he specialized in outside painting where I specialize on inside painting. And they're a pretty large business here in Denver. Um, probably one of the biggest residential uh, painting contractors. And he said, Hey, Nick, if, if, since you don't really like to do outside, what if we uh, give you all of our inside leads and you give us all your outside leads? And, um, we'll see how that goes. And so I said, great. And, uh, two years, Later, we had done about a half a million dollars worth of business with this guy and it was fantastic. Um, so at that point, I was like, well, I would love to do the show again because obviously I got some great business out of it and it wasn't this big, you know, time and money suck. Um, but, uh, but at that point, I was so flat out. You know, just going as fast and as hard as we possibly could. I just didn't have any more bandwidth, and um, so we waited a couple more years. Um, since then, I've actually lost that uh, that company as kind of a partner. I only did about twenty thousand dollars with them last year, but they decided that they didn't make their numbers because we're, you know, we were so much smaller. You know, let's say they gave half a million dollars. I may have given them. Um, to keep it in house. Cause they're spending a lot of money on marketing. They have a huge marketing budget. Um, but because of that, I thought, Hey, this podcasting thing is awesome. And, um, and you never know what's going to come out of it. So we had, um, we had some great relationships that came out of it. Not only just that one relationship, but, uh, we had some friendships come out of it. My wife and I, um, Really, kind of found our best friends. Uh, we started hanging out with uh, this couple that had come on the show, and to this day we go on vacation with them, and and our kids hang out, and it's fantastic.
0: Cool. So Nick, uh, I've got a bit of a burning question, I guess, mate. How does a painting contractor become a small business consultant? What what happened there? Did you just like wake up one morning and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm sick of painting walls. I'm gonna go and help <laughs> small business owners," or what?
2: Yeah, I um. Oh gosh, let's see. Well, the economy was tanking, and um, just not. We were not doing much business at all. So, of course, when when your business is not doing well, let me go teach other people how to do their business, right? <laughs> so, I love it. hang on, just be be careful here, mate, because I'm a
0: business coach and mentor as well. So, oh, you-
2: <laughs> well, that was my reality. I don't know what yours is. So, but uh, somewhat different. We, uh, yeah, I. Uh, No, I had come out of another, I had uh, been a part of another, I don't know what you call it. Um, I don't know if you have similar businesses over there. Um, There are businesses here in the States that will put, you know, a dozen or so small businesses in a room on a monthly basis and do kind of a round robin, you know, hold them accountable, talk business topics and those kinds of things. And I had been a part of one here in Denver for about a year and a half or so, and they almost brought me on, um, kind of as a manager and part owner. And that didn't work out, and so I basically said, "Well, they don't like my ideas enough. I'll go do go do it on my own." And so that was I was doing a um, kind of a small group, uh, model um, mm-hmm. with my coaching, and um, and then I just you know, the radio show was just to, to promote it.
0: Cool. So where's the painting business at now? I mean, is it still growing? Like what's, uh, what's it doing?
2: Well, most days it's growing. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we've had a good run. You know, we were, when the economy tanked, I mean, we probably at our lowest probably sank down to about $125,000 worth of sales. And then when we started that partnership, I think the first year we, did doubled in size and then we tripled in size um and then we lost them and we still grew by about fifteen percent last year um despite the fact that they were about two hundred thousand two hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of business um the last year we did that partnership. Um and so we are, you know, so right now uh we will probably finish up from a gross, you know, just to give you an idea, from at a gross standpoint, um our tu- turnover, what you guys call turnover, we don't call it that here, but our turnover is about six hundred and fifty a year uh, for this year, and next year the goal is to is to about double um, in size again. So, so Nick, time-wise, I mean that's that's a
0: decent-sized business in uh, certainly in Australia. That's a big trade business. Uh, how do you manage your time between that and the podcast uh, and no doubt, you're working on other things as well. You've got you've got a, you've got two podcasts that you produce. So, uh, how do you manage your time with all this? Man, I know we're speaking to you at what is getting close to eight p.m. <laughs> your time. So maybe that's part of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that is part of it. I mean, I do a lot of uh, a lot of stuff uh, in the evening and and when the kids go to bed and and I don't. I typically don't need a lot of sleep. Actually, when you were talking, uh, I don't remember her name, but you had a guest on. Um, that was a a coach, um, a physical coach, not a business coach. But nice, Shiny. Um, Yep. Yes. So she was talking about how when you when you do work out and you are healthy, you don't need as much sleep. And I fall into that category. So last night, <laughs> you were giving me a hard time <laughs> through that I was up at two a.m. and I ended up getting up this morning at about seven. Um, I was a little bit tired, but I really as long as I'm averaging about six hours of sleep at night I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, cool. I actually, I actually get back aches if I sleep more than that. So um, <laughs> yeah am so kind of negative. Um, but I, uh, you know, for me, so, so managing my business, um, I, I learned a long time ago that I'm really good at some things and I'm, I'm really horrible, horrible at other things. And so it was best for me to get things off of my plate that I wasn't good at. And I think a lot of smaller business owners and uh, tradies, especially are horrible at this. They think that nobody can do it like they can. And they want to kind of be that control freak and, and just do everything. And really, we're not good at everything. You know, we may be good. Um, you may be good on the tools, um, but you may be horrible at answering your phone. Um, and, uh, um, and so, get somebody else to answer your phone. Mm. And you know, in our show, we actually did a we did a show dedicated to, you know, how do you answer your phone and the importance of it. And so, Johnny, my co-host on that, he owns a lawn care business. So, I don't know if you call that a tradie or not, but in my head, I think that yeah, is. We call them tradies. Uh, G'day to all the yeah. the lawn mowing contractors out there. That's right, and so uh, he puts a lot of energy and effort into his call center because he gets really high call volume. You know, they're they're guns a blazin', you know, in season, and then like right now, they're just nothing's happening. They don't they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So when uh, the calls are coming in, they're coming in fast and furious, and he has a team of folks that are answering his phones. And I found out a long time ago that I needed somebody answering my phones because. You know, I'd be out in the field and I'd be doing something, whether I'm meeting with a customer or actually doing the painting back when I was doing that. You know, the phone would ring and then I would be off on a 20 minute phone call and I would totally forget what the hell I was doing. And, um, and in fact, it got so bad that my guys would be like, Would you just leave? Like, you, 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 you you come in, you do like three things halfway, and then you leave. And, and then we've got to figure out what you did and where did you stop and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but besides that, it was, um, you know, if you're in the middle of something, you're not going to be a great voice on that phone when they call in. I mean, think about it. When you're calling a business, uh, no matter what business it is, you want to call and you want to have their full and divided attention. You want to be able to get the questions answered that you've got. And when you have a dedicated person doing that that has the answers or can get the answers very quickly, uh, it, it puts a, a really good foot forward so that you have that opportunity to make that sale way more than if, uh, you know, the the phone goes to voicemail. And we did, I think we, you know, we called like 10, I want to say we called around 10 businesses, um, half in, in painting, in the painting world and half in the lawn care business. And I think we got maybe two or three of them on on the phone and all the other ones went to voicemail. And I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in the States, if you get voicemail, I'm going on to the next person on the list. I'm not waiting, you know, to the end of the business day or till to tomorrow or three hours from now. I've I've got, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to make some phone calls and make some appointments for somebody to come over and, you know, help me out with whatever I've got. And that's it. I'm, I'm going to just keep going down the list. So it's the phones are, are super important.
1: So one thing, you know, with my business, and I think I'll just bring you out on every sales call I do, Nick, is because as a running a virtual assistant agency, that's one of the big services that we provide clients, is that virtual receptionist and phone answering. And it is because two-thirds of people won't leave a message. They'll just ring the next person on Google. You're exactly right because they've allocated time to do that. Yeah. So it's... Just, you know, it's, it's so critical that, that people answer their phones but are able to action what they need answered. So whether it's booking a job or booking a quote, you know, because they are simply just going to move on. So it, it is something that's really important that people have to consider.
2: And I think it's, it's important to, for people to understand what kind of numbers are you talking about? I mean, if you're a company that's spending any kind of money marketing, whether that's through Google, whether that's through direct mail, whether that's advertising on the radio... Or even if it's just, it's not really costing you dollars, but you're going out and you're networking and you're spending your time to get that phone to ring. So no matter what, if it, it's a, a time or a money outlay, you're putting resources out there. You're investing in marketing. And when you're not answering that phone, that is dollars leaving the building, okay? Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine who owned a, an electrical contracting company and we started running the numbers with... Um, kind of based on what I had seen and what he had seen, what kind of call volume he was getting and how many phone calls he thought he was missing. And I, you know, you, you have to know what your average job size is and how, you know, what your closing ratio is. But I think for him, I think the, uh, the ROI was something like if he would have spent $1,500 a month to make sure his phones were answered, then he would have probably seen something like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in additional sales in a month.
0: And it's it's such yeah. a <laughs> I don't mean to talk over that very powerful silence there, but it's such a great point and it's something that I know I struggle with my clients and I'm sure some of our listeners are struggling with this same thing is so you want me to spend money that I don't have or that, you know, maybe I think I can't afford. But the whole the whole premise behind it is that you've got to have the data so you can work out, okay, well, what's the likely ROI, as you say, or return on investment of of getting somebody to do that or having the business owner let go of the things that they suck at, as I say to my guys, it's like find out what you suck at and employ somebody to do that stuff and focus on what you're good at, which is exactly what you were saying before Nick.
2: Well and I would expand that to not only things you suck at, but things you just don't enjoy doing. Like I'm good at some things that I just don't like doing. And so because <laughs> I'm not I don't like doing it what i end up doing is i procrastinate yep okay and uh and then when you you know you've procrastinated long enough you've got to do it and then you just kind of rush through it you don't do it well yep it's a great
0: point so as far as getting the data nick in in your business you must be recording stuff like you've got to write it down somewhere i mean did you find that a challenge at all to to uh not only for yourself but the other people involved in the business to actually record the data so that you can then go back and analyze it and and make those decisions.
2: Well, I'll be honest, we weren't, you know, looking at all those numbers, you know, several years ago. Um but the way that it was very apparent to me is uh the one of the first things I did, you know, as I started to take my business very seriously as we were growing, you know, exponentially, really. I, I wanted to get a more professional appearance. And so, one of the things I, I, uh, I did, and I think more people should do this, uh, because I think most tradespeople, you know, they use their cell phone as their business line. And I find that, you know, having a, a voice over internet phone system, which is what we use, um, brings huge value it's not expensive. Like the business phone systems of yesterday. Um, my dad was, uh, um, a manufacturer's rep when I was growing up. And so he had, you know, an office and salespeople and and an office staff and expensive phone systems. I want to, I want to say, I remember him spending like 10 grand on a phone system once, but you know, I have a phone system when I first started it, it was, um, it was all online, you know, and, and it did forward to my cell phone. Um, but it went, you know, it gave me that professional appearance. Hey, you've reached walls by design, press one for sales, press two for administration press. And they all came to me. I mean, seriously, um, <laughs> he was sitting at every department. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't know. I mean, um, but then when I had somebody, you know, starting to answer my phones, then all, you know, all, then all the calls went to her and, uh, you know, I was down on the list, like, you know, cause that way people weren't, calling me and getting, uh, you know, trying to sell me stuff, which was awesome. But, um, when I did employ that system, you know, it gives me a lot of statistics and data. I can see it records everything, like how many calls we get and how long were the calls And I mean, I can go to the extent where I record calls, but I don't do that. So, you know, I spend, I don't know exactly what the number is. Let's say it's $150 a month for my phone system. And I want to say that's high, but, but I have all the data and I have, um, you know, we have two handsets. So my office manager has one and I have one and, um, you know, we can expand it. We could subtract it. It's, you know, it's very easy, but I think that's a, a good starting point so that you can get the numbers of how many calls are coming in and you know, what's, what's going on and you don't have to have handsets. You just use their, they have you know, online integration. And so you can see all the numbers. Um so you would know if you're missing four calls a day or mm. you know 20 calls a day whatever it is. Yep. Um and so I you've got to know what those numbers are and then um after you know so that's one system uh, another system that we use that I think all um all small businesses should have uh, if not tradespeople. Is a uh, is is a centralized system that keeps all of your data and all of your customer information. So I used to use like just QuickBooks and Excel spreadsheets and Word doc and those kinds of things to create my estimates and do all those kinds of functionality. But now we have an online system. We're actually in the m- middle of moving to a more robust system. But it's a CRM, contact resource management. I think that's what it stands for. Sounds good. Is right? Sounds like you know. Yeah. What you're talking yeah. about. Right? So CRM, and uh, you know, that gives me a place to record who's called, how did they hear about us? We put all their information of how to contact them, where they live, what about their job, and then, you know, our invoices go in, our estimates go in there, and our invoices are in there, and it, it's one place, everything is there, and no matter where I'm at, I can I can access that, I can access it from my laptop, I can access it from my phone if I want to, um, from my iPad. Uh, my office manager is actually a virtual office manager. She lives in Chicago, which is, you know, 18 hours away. Um, cool. for those of you who don't know the States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Great to
1: hear you embracing virtual staff.
2: <laughs> oh, it's, it's been awesome and there's no need. I don't think I'll, you know, uh, I don't think, I think a lot of people as they grow, they think they need to go get an office and and I've certainly done that in the past, but, I office from the house. Nobody comes to my house except me and my production manager every once in a while. But we've pretty much put systems in place so he doesn't even need to come here. When we have our staff meetings, our management meetings, uh, we do it through Skype. <laughs> so he's at his <laughs> house across town. Uh, I'm here at my house. And then we have my office manager who's in Chicago. And so we do everything virtual. And um, and that's just an expense. I, you know, I, I talked to other paint contractors from across the country. And, you know, they talk about having multiple trucks and an office and all these kinds of things. And I'm, I really do try to be as efficient as possible and and try to do creative things to not have to have as much overhead as, as I might need.
1: Yeah, it's really smart. So one thing I really love about um, your business, some of the unique things to do to market yourself, like you do have the painting podcast as well. And you really have a great positioning statement that sets you apart by the looks of it from other painters, and that's painters by trade, artists at heart. So talk us through that positioning and how that's helped you create a brand around your business and a point of difference.
2: So when I first started my business, I... It's a kind of a funny story. Let me, let me back up a little bit if I can. Is that right?
0: Go for it. Please do. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I had run a painting business in college for like five years. And then uh, my dad used to always say, now Nick, you're going to college so that you don't have to paint the rest of your life. And so I got a marketing degree from the University of South Carolina, Go Gamecocks. And, um, and then I uh, had a couple of jobs and hated working for the people. And so, the last corporate job I had uh, in Cube Land, I was an inside salesperson at a telecommunications uh, distribution company, and just hating life, just hated it. And was, you know, my dad had worked for himself, my father-in-law had owned a business as well, and I just day in and day out, I was thinking, what kind of business can I start? What kind of business can I start? So then, my wife and I bought our first house, and on uh, on New Year's Eve. I came home and I declared that we were going to paint the house, uh, because now we finally have a house and I'm tired of white walls. And so she's like, okay, let's, let's go. So the only thing that's open, uh, I don't know if you guys have Home Depot down, down in Australia, but Home Depot is a big box, you know, hardware store here in the States. And, um, we went to the counter and funny thing is, is a very popular thing to do on New Year's Eve. I never knew that, but there was a lot of other people in line for paint. And in true Home Depot style, there's one person behind the counter. And so we all sit and wait. And uh, so while we're waiting, I start helping all these other people. Like, you should use this roller. And, hey, you should buy that paint. And, you know, don't forget you need drop claws and just all these kind of things. And I got in the car after we got our paint. And I'll never forget. I was in the passenger seat. I can remember exactly where I was on the highway. And I thought, that's what I need to do. I need to start a painting business. And so that kind of started to germinate and I started to think, well, what kind of painting business would I start? And people were telling me, you're crazy. There's, you know, you, you know, throw a rock and you'll hit three of them. And, um, but I thought, you know, I'm going to do it differently. And cause I'd had some people come to my house and I'd experienced kind of bad customer service and, And so I thought we're going to really, I want to create not just a painting business. I I don't want to be just a painter. I want to, I want to build a brand. So from the very first moment, I kind of had this vision of, you know, how I thought of, um, you know, Polo and Ralph Lauren and Nike, all these companies that had, you know, this branding behind it. And so I wanted to have a company that, that kind of had its own identity Yep. and, um, Um, And so as I started, we kind of walked through that process. We came landed on walls by design and I don't remember how I came to the tagline painters by trade artists at heart. But at first it was just kind of a tagline that I liked to be honest. We just landed on it and I was like, Oh, that kind of sounds nice. And, um, but there was no real meat behind it, to be honest. Um, Seven years ago, we were hiring some more folks and I realized that I had three, three guys that were artists. They, uh, we have kind of an art district here in Denver and, you know, on first Friday of every month, they, they open these, um, these art galleries and, and, and people and tattoos and, you know, just an artsy crowd. They're all down there and they're showing their stuff. And I thought, you know, I've got three of these guys and they were really easy to train and customers seemed to like them. I wonder what would happen if I tried to get more of them. And then I built this kind of fun, you know, ad to try to attract the starving artist. Cause I figured they don't have jobs. They're starving. Right. And, uh, uh, and lo and behold, we got a great response. Um, and, and so that was kind of the start of this um, really you know, bringing everything full circle, um, because then we truly started to become a group of artists that were were painting houses. Um, and then about a year ago, when I when I found uh, uh, Tim Reed's podcast, Small Business Big Marketing, he helped me kind of really um, solidify the whole the whole thing, and uh, and and really then have that message for my business. So when people ask me, well, what do you do? And I say, Well, I paint houses, but what I really do is I I hire starving artists and I teach them the art of painting houses. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go, Huh? What? <laughs> so they kinda so then they come back and they, Well, what do you mean you, you hire artists? And then I talk about my my artists and I tell them the story that I just told and, and about seven years ago. And then they want to know, Well, what kind of art do they do? And and they go, Well, that's a great idea. I've never heard of anybody. And 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 invariably half the people always go, oh man, I've got a, I've got a nephew. He, he would be great. <laughs> and would, you know, and, and he needs to get out of my basement.
0: So, <laughs> so you're never sure everybody of candidates. can
2: to it because everybody knows the starving artist. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you ever uh, go on site and just catch some of your painters just uh, randomly doing artwork on people's walls? Cause they're just bored with painting at a plain color.
2: I do not. not. We have, we have have other systems in my business to make sure that that does not (laughs) happen.
0: Just paint the wall one color.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, it's fun. We've, uh, you know, that's, you know, we, we have refined uh, that process over and over. Um, We have found that first of all, and this is the first question I asked, you know, we have the ad that goes out and then when they, when they email me back, I call we we set up a phone interview and the first question i have to ask them is what kind of artwork do you do and i think it throws a lot of them like i thought we were you know applying for a job but um but i want to make sure that they're an actual artist and they do something with canvas and you know either sketching or painting or you know something where they're doing and they're not sculpting or not doing like metal work or something um but they're a canvas and and in some kind of drawing and so once I identify that, then I, I, I look at what kind of past, you know, work experience they've had. And I have found that um, if they have any kind of retail experience, they're not a good fit because those people don't know how to really work uh, like my painters do. Um, not, you know, hello, all you retail
0: workers. <laughs> we, just, we just lost a few.
2: Yeah. So, um, but it, it's just true. They just, they don't have, and, and Kind of the uh, i don 't know if I can say this, but you can bleep it out if I can 't. Um, we just have to have the um, get shit done attitude, and that 's what I tell people. You need to have that attitude from day one, and you need to show us that because um, it's it 's all about getting it done, and it 's not about hey, how many times can I walk out to the trailer um, and so retail experience they 're just used to standing around, so um, we have found that um, construction and food service and the third, which is actually my favorite. Uh, which is tattoo artists um, seem to be the best gold star. And then if you've moved here from out of state, then you've just, I've, I've hit the jackpot.
0: Is that because uh, the customers always pay when they turn up to do the
2: job? It's like a
1: debt recovery technique (laughs) as well.
2: No, it's, I don't know why, but every, uh, every um, tattoo artist I've ever hired has worked out fantastically. And I've lost a couple. Uh one moved back to the East Coast and another one wasn't um he thought he was gonna make more money or something. Um and he but they were just great guys and really hard workers. And they're tired <laughs> of being broke. You know, that's the I kind of joke, I said the more broke you know, the more starving they are, the better they are. <laughs> <laughs> because really nobody's ever given them an opportunity. And so Nick, with
0: your I guess you've got a some uniqueness already about your business. Are there some other one percenters, or you know, have you systemized that uh, difference so that that you really do set yourself apart? But it's not just a random thing; it's actually part of a formula that you've put together. Are there other things that you actually do on a regular basis?
2: Yeah, and and I would love to say I have like all these wonderful surprises that we give people, but um, really, I have found in my business that people don't like surprises very much, um, and so we re- we just really try to build in systems. That are in kind of plain, plain view. Um, and, and are just going to happen every time. And so the, the different things that we have put in, in place. Um, you know, we talk about. So when I, I, so like I said, I have a process for everything. And so when I, when I'm in the sales process with my customers, the last thing I do before I leave their house is I, I have a, a leave behind and it looks like a wedding invitation. It's that size. It's black. Uh, inside there's three cards and, and on the third card um it, it talks about the walls by design difference and we say we are we are we may be different than other paint contractors in more ways than this, but these are the five that we know without a shadow of a doubt we are different. And um and those five things are we give a lifetime warranty on everything we do. Uh if and we say as long as you live here is is your primary residence and you're not using it as a rental, I will warranty this for as long as you, you guys live here. So if anything goes wrong or you find something wrong, you just give me a call and, and we'll make it right. Um, and uh, then they joke usually and they say, Haha, you know, what if we uh, we run into the wall? And then I say, well, that's not actually number two. We have a free touch-up program for life. Uh, so again, as long as you live here, I'll come back every January or February Um when we kind of like to do that program and I'll touch up up to an hour worth of touch-ups um, throughout your house for anything that I've painted. And they say, for as long as I live here. And I say, yes, for as long as you live here. And, um, and they go, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, and then I talk about um, the fact that we hire starving artists, you know, <laughs> we, that we, that we have, um, that we hire artists and teach them the art of painting houses. And so we talk about, um, um, all of those things, um, I feel like I've just missed one, to be honest. Uh, one, two, three. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, but the fourth one, um, as we get through of why the artists are are so important, um, is that they need the one skill, which is good hand-eye coordination, and then everything else we 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 teach them all of our processes. and the And the fifth one is process. And I know I've missed one, but I can't for the life mm-hmm. of me tell you sorry it's probably, um, it's probably in the uh, procedure manual uh, sitting
0: on the counter behind
2: you or something yeah, right. yeah probably is um, <laughs> and uh, but so we have a process for everything and then I actually talk to them about you know how they've talked to my office manager and how she probably followed up with a phone call and an email before I came today and they're shaking their head yes and I and I said yeah and that's exactly what we do and then I talk about the, the next kind of steps of what the processes are going to look at because you know Having someone come into your house is a very emotional thing. And having worked on is emotion. And so when I built the systems into my business, I tried to think through what are the emotions that a customer is going through. And there's a couple of um there's a couple of key ones and the biggest one is fear. So people are afraid to bring in strangers into their house and there's nothing more personal than having a painter come in and move all of your furniture and go in every corner of your house um and so we need to exemplify that we are trustworthy and that we have systems and that we know what we're doing and so that's what we're trying to teach them all along the way with ha- with showing them not just telling them we have processes but showing them that we have processes um and then the other emotion that that we like to talk about is envy and envy is another really powerful emotion and so the way we we kind of attack that one is um we want to show them pictures of finished projects that they go oh that looks amazing i want that you know from my house and mm-hmm. so you kind of build that emotion of i want that and these are all the houses that we've we've done and, and happy customers and, um, and you, too, are going to be happy with the, the end result. Oh, I just remembered the fifth one. We do, a, we do color consultations uh, with our customers and um, actually bring in uh, – I may be the only paint contractor in the United States that does this. But Benjamin Moore is a manufacturer of paint here in the States, and um, they, they do these big 18-inch by 18-inch color boards. Um, with one of their collections and so we utilize those and it really helps our customers visualize what the color is going to be on the wall versus having a little two by two little square um, to look at on the wall yep
0: it almost almost, sorry i was a little bit out of place (laughs) that's okay you're allowed to it almost never looks like those little tiny color swatches you know you hold it up on the wall and uh pick the color out and i know my wife and i have painted some walls over the years it's like you you paint half the wall it's like hmm that's not really what we had in mind. So right, that's, right. That's big, and so I, uh,
2: I have to get them to trust me because I've, I've, I've literally designed probably 90% of all the projects that we've ever done. Um, and in fact, a lot of those have been for designers um, because a lot of the interior designers that we work with actually have me pick the colors out. Um, I give them credit, though, so it's okay. <laughs>
1: So it really sounds, you know, quite obvious hopefully to our listeners that you do do things a bit differently and that's really shown to have the massive growth that you had over the years and the great relationships you've built with your customers. I'm sure there's probably time when things were a bit tough in the business. So talk about perhaps a key lesson that you've, you've learnt in the years in business where things weren't going as well as you planned or something had happened and, and what you learnt from that experience.
2: So I think you're asking me: Is there anything in in my business uh, career that if I could go back and erase like a whole like you know week uh, week or month you know in life that would change? And that was the that was the month when I got a uh, I got a partner and um, let him buy, and buy into my business, and um, it ended up almost, well, it ended up costing me about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, so that would probably be the one big regret that I've, that I've had. And I, I learned a ton through that process. Um, so don't get a partner.
0: What was, <laughs> Nick, my can, I, can I ask, mate, what was the reason you, you did that? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of talked about this earlier, but what was the reason you brought a partner into the business?
2: Okay. So I had uh, so another mistake that I I did that wasn't quite as, I, I could have said this as well, cause it was the precursor, but, I got uh, a pretty big head. We had some pretty good success when I first started the business. Economy was going pretty well, so it wasn't really hard. I mean, literally, if you showed up, you got the job. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but, uh, but I had all these customers that were saying, Oh, you know, we had the hardwoods done and those guys were jackasses. And, you know, then we had uh, the landscaper and they're, you know, four months late, and all these kinds of things. And so I had all these people asking me for references, and and they weren't. I would always go back and say, "Hey, how did it go with the hardwoods? Or how did it go with the carpet installation?" And they'd always come back and say, eh, "They were all right," but they weren't like you working with you, Nick. You were great. So I thought, gosh, if I did, you know, half as good of a job that that, uh, that I'm doing with painting, I'd still be light years ahead of these idiots. And so I thought, I'm just going to start doing flooring. And that led into doing like light remodels. I mean, I was hanging blinds and remodeling kitchens and all this crap. And um, I'd hired a, uh, a guy at first to be a salesperson for flooring. I hired him away from a, another flooring company. And then um, he kind of uh, didn't work out. And I got another guy and he was, seemed to be pretty good. Uh, his family um, had owned one of the largest flooring companies here in Denver that ended up selling, uh, selling out for millions. And so he was kind of like a trust funder. Um, mm-hmm. And lo and behold, after he I let him buy into the business, I, I realized his true work ethic because uh, he didn't have one. <laughs> and um, but then it was, you know, we were taking all the profits from the painting side and it was paying for all the mistakes that we were making on the flooring side. And it was just horrible. Um, and uh, we did the legal part when we form- formulated the, the business or the, um, the partnership wrong. And, um, and that was nearly the death of me um, because then I had to buy him back out almost at the same cost he bought in at, and then accept all of the the debt that he had helped me get into. And, <laughs> So it was a dark time, uh and it just got darker and darker for a couple more years. And and then we dug slowly, but surely out of a hole of $250,000 worth of debt. And um yeah, so. Well, nice that, would, work, mate. that would be
0: it. I, I, I feel a little bit bad that we just dragged you through that again, Nick. It was like that just <laughs> no, killed the right. whole uh, vibe sure of that, that
2: story. <laughs> I think I think it's very important to share the failures because that's, uh, you know, a lot of people feel like they're not winning or they keep making mistakes or, you know, it's, it's all well and good to look at somebody and go, man, you've got a really fantastic business or you're so much more successful than I am or you're selling more than I am. And therefore things must be all roses and butterflies and all that. But, you know, most successful people that I have talked to have um, have stood on a pile of shit mm. to get mm. there. Absolutely. And it is
0: such a great point, Nick. Uh, and I, I find social media kind of uh, facilitates that one-sided view of life uh, where we see all the great stuff that people tend to share uh, but not the challenges or the struggles they've been through to get to that stage. And it's easy to right. forget about that stuff. So, uh, yeah, definitely very, very important to keep our failures uh, in sight, mate. So, Nick, uh, one of the questions we love to ask guests on the show is: if you had a thousand tradies uh, in a room, and you could share, you know, maybe, oh, like that one sounds one fantastic! I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, what would you love to uh, share with them? What pearls of wisdom would you have for those tradies?
2: First I would say do one thing really well. No know, yep. know what your business is and do that. You know, we are people are amazed at the fact that um, you know, when I'm in in painting circles and I'm, you know, I'm talking to different painters and they may have a helper or two helpers and, and I've got a staff of fifteen and um and then they start asking me about the kinds of work that we do, and I say, Well, we don't do any you know, really, we don't do any outside work. And they go, What? You know, and that's what, you know, the guys around here that that'll make up like 75 or 80% of their business in the year. And uh, they, they just can't even fathom that we would focus and say no to certain things. Um, and I say no to certain things so that I can say yes to the right things. And so that would be the biggest thing that I would say. And then after that, um, I would say be honest with yourself what you're good at and what you're not good at and let somebody else, even if it's going to cost you money, have somebody else do those things that you're not good at or you just don't like to do. Because what that'll do is it'll free you up for the things that you're really good at. And that can be, you may be horrible at sales. Well, maybe you got to bring somebody in that's good at sales so that you can be on the, on the tools more. Because I think a lot of tradespeople like to do, that side of the business and they don't like the sales side. Mm. I am the opposite. I love the sales part. I love building relationships. I love figuring out how do I get in front of more people. And I, I mean, I don't even project manage my, my, my jobs anymore. I have a project manager because I'm not good at it. Um, I can do it. I'm not great at it. Um, and I don't enjoy it. So I decided a long time ago that I'm going to do whatever I can do to get to a point where I can, do what I want to do and what I'm good at. And so that's how we've continued to grow and and get bigger and bigger.
1: Look, thanks so much for your time today, Nick. We know it's nighttime over there and you need to be um, getting some food in your belly. So we really appreciate your time. And I'm sure our tradies out there have got a lot of gold today about what you've shared with them. So how can they find out more about you if they want to connect with you and, and see more of what you've done?
2: Okay. Um, I would say if people want to hear more about me, my backstory, um, I'm going to send you to two different places. Um, our website for my painting business is wallsbydesign.com. And there's a little bit of information about me there. And then um, you can always uh, listen to my podcast. I have two. Um, the one I do for small business is called Small Business Naked and it's smallbusinessnaked.com. And then we do, I we haven't talked about it, but I do a, a podcast to actually promote my painting business. Um, one of the biggest areas is interior designers. And so we started, or I started a, a, a podcast um, talking about the business of interior design. And so that's at com.
1: Great. So we'll share those links in the show notes uh, so people can find out more about you.
0: Awesome. Well, well, thanks, guys, for having me on. Thanks again, Nick, and uh, go enjoy that canned soup, mate.
2: <laughs> That's right. We're going to have some really hearty soup. So so there you go. Great interview with Nick
0: May from Walls by Design. Uh, I'm going to uh, – you know what? I'm just going to quit this American accent. Michaela, you win. That was horrible. Sorry again to our North American listeners and, uh, and to Nick as well. But, um, yeah, really good interview. There was some uh, absolute – Gems in there of uh, how to differentiate your business. So we talked back in episode 20 about uh, how to stick out like prawn's eyes and um, we referenced this interview with Nick and yeah, there's some great stuff in there. So hopefully you got those down on paper or something, go implement some of them in your business and if you want to find out more about today's episode, go to tradiesbusinessshow.com forward slash 21 and quick shout out to our show sponsor, MyOB PayDirect. So a great little card reader device means you get paid at your client's house. So if you've just painted their house, instead of waiting until you get back to the office to issue an invoice, and then maybe you remember to do that, and maybe they pay it, you actually get paid on the spot. So a great way to fix your cash flow. If you want to find out more, go to tradiesbusinessshow.com forward slash MYOB. Looking forward to uh, providing you with some more great accents. Hopefully we don't interview anybody from Russia, or something where I, I'm just really going to struggle with that. But anyway, Michaela, you won. I hope you enjoyed your holiday, and I hope I still have a job next week. Anyway, until next time, hoorah. You've been listening to the tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Want to get off the tools and into true business ownership? Find out how at Tradee's Business Show.com.